Hello, and thank you for listening to the Vineyard Church Springbrook podcast of Vineyard Church right here in Alcoa, Tennessee. If you haven't already, you can check out our website for more information about our church or find our audio archive with all of our previous messages at www.vineyardchurch.us. You can also subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts. Now, let's hear this week's message. I'm going to read our scripture today. Um, If you've been with us for a while, then you know that I make Chad read entire books of the Bible and then he gives me like four verses on and Chad's preaching this week and um, has given me an entire book of the Bible to read. So we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna be here for a minute. We are in a series right now that we're calling the Spirit-Filled Life. Um, and so we're just, we're spending um, like six weeks talking about the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Um, we're hoping to engage questions that we get Uh, from you guys a lot. And so here's kind of our disclaimer on this series for the next few weeks. If you hear something that brings up more questions than it does answers, um, our hope is that that won't make you think like, oh man, I liked that church and now they're weird. Uh, But instead that you would just like call us and ask. Uh, I I said last week that we want to teach this like we hope to teach everything with um, humility and humor and hope. So uh, if you have questions, we, we would love to talk to you about anything that feels confusing. So um, we have two scriptures. First is going to be John 16, um, verses 7 through 11. You can follow along on the screen or on your own device if you want. John 16 says, but I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go away, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. And concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, so you no longer see me. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. Uh, Acts 2 will be our next uh, scripture. We're going to read verses 29 through 41. Again, they'll be on the screen if you want to follow. Dear brothers, think about this. You can be sure that the patriarch David wasn't referring to himself, for he died and was buried, and his tomb is still here among us. But he was a prophet, and he knew God had promised with an oath that one of David's own descendants would sit on his throne. David was looking into the future and speaking of the Messiah's resurrection. He was saying that God would not leave him among the dead or allow his body to rot in the grave. God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. Now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, just as you see and hear today. For David himself never ascended into heaven, yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brother, what should we do? Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, your children, and to those far away who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Hey, so let's start out. Let's take a moment. Let's just take a moment to become aware of God's presence among us, his spirit among us. Let's kind of center ourselves on God and what's he speaking to us. And we'll jump into the sermon today. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would make us aware of your presence. Make us aware of what you're speaking to us today, what you're putting on our heart, what you're moving us into, what you want us to lay down what you want us to take up and do. We pray that you would come and blow upon us and come and fill us, come and speak to us. And Jesus, we love you. We thank you for all that you did, Jesus, that you are the Messiah, that you are the God, and that you send us the helper, the spirit to us. So we thank you and we love you. And it's in your name we pray, amen. Hey, so before we jump in here today, I kind of want to give you guys my story because some of you have been here for a while. Some of you, this is your first day. My name's Chad Stewart. I'm, this, I'm an associate pastor here at the Vineyard. Lindsay is our lead pastor here. Um, and she allowed the most charismatic among us to preach about Pentecost and the Holy Spirit. And that may make some of you nervous. Um, but I, I want to tell you, that's not always the way I've, I've been. Um, my story is kind of like this, the short story. I chased a girl at 19 years old into an independent, fundamental, King James-only Baptist church in Sevierville, Tennessee. I don't know if you've ever been in those churches before, but one of the big deals is that is that we believe in the Holy Spirit, but we believe in the cessation of the gifts, that the gifts of the Spirit are no longer for today, but, you know, we're still praying for, like, God to heal people and other things like that. And during the midst of that, last night I sat down and I brought a book out to the living room and it was called The Mystery of the Holy Spirit. It was by A.W. Tozer. Some of you may know that name. Um, um, and, so, and so I sat down and, and my wife was like, what's that? You're reading Tozer. Why are you reading Tozer? I was like, this is the book when I was in independent, bump, in independent fundamental Baptist that wrecked me. And then the story of that, just because I'm like, the Holy Spirit, who is that guy? Like, like, what's, like, what does he do within the church? And the reason why it wrecked me is if, if you read any of Tozer, you have to know Tozer's a prophet. And when prophets are right, they're right, and they carry a hammer. And when they're wrong, they're wrong. He also carried a hammer with what he was wrong about, which was also not the greatest thing in the world. But prophets just do that. It's just, just the way that God has made them. But in the opening chapters, uh, Tozer was talking about, I was preaching a sermon, he was saying in a church, and he made this comment. He goes, if the Holy Spirit left the church, I will guarantee you most churches would not know that he left within three months. And that made me pause. I was like, I'm, I'm not aware of the Holy Spirit. I'm not aware if he's really amongst us or if he's not. I want to be aware. And just that little part has propelled a lifelong journey for me in pursuing and knowing about the Holy Spirit. And my wife goes, who was that guy that found that book and found all that information? I was like, I thought I found the Holy Grail. As I look back now, I was the biggest hypocrite in the world and I knew nothing. Um, that book did not help the slightest in me, just I have all this information and now I know. And as some of you know, the older you get, you don't know what you don't know, right? And at the time I didn't know, but I thought I knew, I thought, oh, now I know the whole, whole Holy Spirit. And I was like, now today I'm like, oh, I, I, I had no clue. I had a tad bit of a clue, but I had no clue. And so for me today, this is like me telling you a sermon about my friend. 
about the friend that's been with me ever since I became a believer, the gift that Jesus has given us in the whole Holy Spirit. And so today, um, we're gonna jump into John 16, seven through 11 before we get into the Pentecost story because I think it's gonna help us um, see Pentecost in light of what Jesus wanted us to see. And so in John 16, what we see from the disciples is a time of confusion and sadness. Here's the deal. They had no clue what Jesus was saying leading up to this point. They were sad and confused about everything that Jesus was saying because they believed Jesus was the Messiah, but what he was talking about was not what they thought the Messiah would be. He was different. And the effect of his life was different than what they wanted it to even be. At one point, Jesus had to say to Peter, get away from me, Satan, because Peter just didn't understand what the Messiah came to do. And so they were absolutely disillusioned with what Jesus was saying. And then Jesus says this, I tell you the truth. And what Jesus was saying, hey, I know that you're in delusionment. I know you're sad, but here's something you can rely on. So when Jesus says, I tell you the truth, it's this is something that you can rely on. And he says, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And I'll stop and ask you a question because I always have to ask this question to myself whenever I'm reading anything that Jesus says. And it's real simple. Do you think Jesus is smart? Like Jesus, God in the flesh came to earth. Do you think that he has the ultimate view of the world and reality? Um, I think most of you in here that are church people will be like, well, yeah, I believe that. Um, and that's the right answer. Um, but how does that statement from him hit you? That it's better that I go away so that the helper, the Holy Spirit could come. For his disciples, it seems to validate their sadness and confusion. Yes, I'm going away. I am going to leave you. Yet it is for your advantage and that must have blew their minds. Because when I do, I will send the Holy Spirit to you. So the other logical connective here is that if I don't go away, if I remain here with you for the rest of my life, that's actually for your disadvantage. That's what the Messiah, the person God in the flesh was saying to them. Jesus, the person of Jesus in the Trinity, if I remain here with you, it is a disadvantage for you. And I don't know about you, but the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, from the logic that Jesus is giving is a crucial part of what we talk about here, joining God in the renewal of all things, the ongoing work of God in the world. And that this is what Jesus is aware of to be real and true. And in the same way, he came to rely on his father who before he had ever done anything in public, his father said of him, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased then Jesus goes all throughout his life only doing what he sees his father doing and only saying what he hears him saying. Jesus is saying that same sort of relational reliance in an invisible person that I have with my father is what you will have if I go. Because they had Jesus in the flesh. They didn't have Jesus whenever Jesus sent them out. They had the authority that Jesus gave them, but the personal presence of God was not there that Jesus knew from his father and the Holy Spirit. Remember when Jesus was baptized in the river of Jordan, the first 30 years of his life, 
is kind of unknown. There's nothing that we know much about that. But when he goes to the river and John baptizes him, his comes up, the spirit descends on him like a dove and onto his life. And from that moment, he's walking in a new authority. He's walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's not to say Jesus wasn't God. He was fully God but he was kind of giving us example how man is supposed to relate to God and how man is supposed to relate to the Holy Spirit. Jesus showed us how to do that all throughout his life. And when Jesus is saying, you're supposed to have the same sort of a reliance that I have with my father if I go, he's saying that everyone we know guys saw Jesus, but they didn't see the father. So there was this invisible reliance in which Jesus would go out in the public, mountaintops, desert places, gardens, but at the same time, he was aware of his father's presence. Jesus saying that the same type of relationship you are going to have, but it's not gonna happen until I go. So it's to your advantage that I go. Then after that, in verses eight through 11, he gives, he gives a kind of job description of what the Holy Spirit does. And the scripture gives us more. That's just a short one that you heard on the verses. So what we basically see in John 16 is that Jesus is stating the truth and the ultimate reality that it was better for him to go away so that he could send the helper, the Holy Spirit to us. So now as we look into Acts 2, and we see all this coming to pass, that everything that he said was true. We see a super dramatic, and to the most of us in this room, a very weird scene. It's a scene of tongues of fire coming upon them, a sound of a mighty rushing wind entering the room where they were. And after that, they were speaking to all the foreigners that had gathered there to celebrate the Jewish holiday And they were speaking in their tongues at the same time as the Spirit gave them ability. I don't know about you, but that's a weird scene. I was in Knoxville one time and they found out that the vineyard believed in the gifts of the Spirit. And I had this guy look at me. He goes, hey man, like I just want to let you know. And, and, And we called his first name. So his nickname before we came and like it was Baptist his name. That like, um, that's what the church called him. And he walked up to me and he goes, hey man, um, if anyone speaks in tongues, I'm out of here. I was like, I get that, man. Here's the deal. I haven't seen too many people like speak in open tongues in the service in the vineyard. I don't think you have anything to worry about. And he's like, okay. And he's still with us today. He's amazing. Um, he hasn't left. He trusts us. Um, but this was a weird scene. But this is what I want us to get about this scene. There were two responses to the move of the Holy Spirit in this scene, awe and skepticism. In Acts 2, verses 12 through 13, it says, they stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. But others in the crowd made fun of them, saying they're just drunk. That's all. Uh, Let me say this. Even still today, when the Holy Spirit starts to move, there's two responses, awe and skepticism. Jesus, whenever he healed a, in Matthew 10, he healed this uh, blind, mute man, and he started to hear, and the Jewish uh, priests came up and said, well, he cast demons out by the power of Beelzebub, which was also a demon. And Jesus looks at them, and he just like, and this is the Chad version of the Bible, so please uh, excuse me. Um, <laughs> Jesus is like, hey, a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand, 
What you don't understand here is that the kingdom of darkness does not release anything that it grabs a hold of. So when the kingdom of darkness, darkness grabs a hold of something, it's not going to let go. It wants people to be um, burdened. They want, the kingdom of darkness wants people to be sick. And when the kingdom of God comes into the room, he releases and sets the captives free. And what Jesus is saying, you don't understand God and you don't understand the work of God. And they were completely skeptical of what he was doing and they called it demons. And I want you to know this, that in Acts 2, on the fly, Peter is trying to find the meaning and all that is happening in the pouring out of the Spirit. And it's interesting and significant, especially for a Jew, he connects what is happening to history and the future, to the ongoing unfolding story of God in the world, the story that Lindsay talked about last month. I'm going to read a few, a few verses that uh, Peter quotes from the book of Joel um, in Acts 2, 17 and 18, where he says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. This is not too significant just in our context, but to a Jewish person, this meant something because they understood what this meant in regards to their tradition and in regards to the Old Testament uh, was that the prophets in the Old Testament were heavily linked to the spirit in that they would prophesy. So in their tradition, the gift of prophecy and the spirit were mainly for Old Testament prophets. And yet Peter interprets what is happening as the fulfillment of Joel 2, 28, 29, and then adds, they will prophesy. Who? Men and women alike, all of God's people. And he's pounding home the point that this same spirit that empowered the prophets will be on all people. Let me say this, the New Testament church is a prophetic community because of the Holy Spirit. Um, if you ever have a meeting with me, know that I'm always praying before I have that meeting. I was meeting one of the people I pastored in Knoxville. Actually, the week I was gonna give this sermon on that day later on for our online church. And I went to go meet with this guy and we were talking. And right before I got there, I was like, Jesus, is there anything that you wanna say to him? Is there anything that you have on, on, on your heart? And I kind of felt an impression that Jesus wanted to tell him that he was going to have a new job, and that new job would be the start of what he's called to do in his life. And so I'm talking to him, he's going on, and we're talking for about an hour. And I was like, hey man, I, I just have a question. Are you thinking about applying for a new job or anything like that? And he goes, huh, funny that you asked, man. Um, the UT department is looking at um, giving me a new job but uh, they don't know if they want to give it to me. And it's a really hard job. They don't know if they're even going to give me a new title or pay with it. Um, but um, that is something that I have been thinking about a lot. And I go, well, hey, man, I hope this isn't weird for you. I was talking to Jesus on the way here. And Jesus wanted to let you to know that, that, that this job. Now, here's the deal. I don't know if you're going to get a new title. I don't know if you're going to get to pay for it. The only thing I know is that this job is going to, Jesus spoke kind of spoke to me and told me that this job is gonna release you into what you're going to be doing in the future. And he was just really encouraged. And that's just listening to Jesus and asking Jesus, Jesus, what do you think? Because that's what the New Testament church is empowered to do. And as Peter does this, they respond to him asking, what should we do? 
And Peter says, repent, which basically means realign your life to the story of God that's unfolding in the world right now. Seeing that this, guys, is the final inbreaking of God prophesied in the Old Testament, according to Joel, that we are literally living in the last days now. It's him inviting us to see our lives afresh from that perspective and to realign our lives according to that story. The renewal of all things. That this is the closing scene of human history and God's work in the world. Now, this closing scene has been going on for 2,000 years, but this closing scene of human history and the invitation is, would you like to get in on it? That's what Peter is inviting them into. As Peter says, if you do that, if you repent, if you get baptized, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, real quick, I want to remind you of a passage that is also a huge turning point right before the Acts story. It's Luke 24, 49 where Jesus says, and now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father's promise, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. That begs the question, why is this Holy Spirit so important? The third person of the Godhead. Jesus has already claimed victory over the grave and Satan in his resurrection from the dead, right? On the cross, he said, it is finished. So what are we waiting on? Why is the sending and receiving of the Holy Spirit so important to the point Jesus says, do not start the great commission or enter the renewal of all things just yet until you have been empowered by the Holy Spirit coming upon you. And I wanna suggest to you this, and I think we have a slide for this. I think it is important to Jesus because to fulfill our personal transformation into Christ-likeness and joining God in the renewal of all things, it requires a power that matches and enables that intention. And again, I just don't think that's on a global scale, on the big story of God, but in my heart this morning, how I love other people, how I care for other people, I need a transformation of power that matches the intention that Jesus has called me to, as all of us do. That is why every year the church celebrates Pentecost Sunday to remind us that by God's plan and purpose that we live in the age of the Holy Spirit. Pentecost is the moment that the personal presence of Jesus with his disciples becomes the personal power of Jesus in the disciples through the Holy Spirit. And that's why we celebrate the Spirit's work on this day. And as one of your pastors, I want to encourage you that the person and work of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, cannot just be confined to history as some church tradition would like to say. And, it, and also, he's just not this unusual presence that some in the church would like us to believe, this all-the-time wild thing. Now, when the Holy Spirit shows up, it does get unusual and uncomfortable sometimes. And he will do things in ways you probably wish he wouldn't. But it's not this all-the-time mania as some people think it is. There's a balance to the way the Holy Spirit works. It's a way of honesty and humility. It's a way of having your beliefs offended in the person work of the Holy Spirit if it means God's purpose and intentions are fulfilled in the world and in your life. It's a way of desiring and believing what Jesus said in John 16, that it is better that he go away so that he sends the spirit to us. This is the purpose and plan of God in Pentecost that is still his purpose and plan this morning. And this vision is not owned by the vineyard. 
or the Baptist or the Pentecostals. One of my favorite people in the world who we're probably gonna quote a lot on this is Anglican Bishop Todd Hunter has this to say. And guys, understand this. This is a guy who was the leader of the vineyard. He had the Toronto, the Toronto renewal go on and pouring out to the Holy Spirit and saying and things were so hard and tough because the Holy Spirit really was moving, but there was a big pushback against it that like he just got burnt out and he left. And now he's an Anglican bishop and doing fantastic work. But understand, this quote is coming from this guy. He says, to reduce the third person of the Trinity to a religious consumer choice is absurd. That is strong language from a burnout guy who got burned out. And it's absurd because we're talking about God. We're not talking about whether we want lights or flashy lights or smoke coming up as Lindsay's coming out, bursting like confetti about to give a sermon, right? We're not talking about these small things. We're talking about God, the Holy Spirit. So I just wanna commend to you today, start to develop an honest and ongoing relationship with God, the Holy Spirit. Then Jesus, who we say we love, because Jesus, who we say we love and follow, requires it of us. So the idea here is that the filling of the Holy Spirit, it's just not an idea or doctrine, it's something that Jesus tells us we should actually experience. So that begs the question, how do we get in on this? If you want to get in on this. In John 20, there's also a pretty weird scene um, where Jesus takes a deep breath and he blows on his disciples. And he says to them, as he is exhaling, receive the Holy Spirit. He doesn't say, could you please be open to the Spirit? Neither does he say that I validate your honest skepticism and cynicism of the Holy Spirit. I know that would have hurt Chad in the old days. He's saying, no, receive the Holy Spirit. What Jesus is saying here is not just an openness to the Spirit, but an earnest welcome that we would be glad to embrace the life and the work of the Spirit in the world and in our hearts and in our church. Every week here at the vineyard, we serve communion. How many of you love that? I do. I love it a lot. And the same word that is used in the Eucharist is mimicked here. Jesus in the Eucharist says, take, eat, this is my body for you. This is the same instruction here as Jesus says in John 20, but it is translated in John 20 as receive. So Jesus is saying, take, receive my spirit. So every week as we come to the table, we open our hands to receive the Eucharist. Jesus is saying, this is also our posture towards the whole Holy Spirit. Take, eat of my body, take, receive of my spirit. Just open your hands, take and receive and I'll give it. And there have been those in history who has. Um, there was a man named William Seymour, a black man, a son of freed slave who was blind in one eye, who got trained at a Bible school under an evangelist named Charles Parham, who saw an outpouring of the spirit in Kansas. The kicker about William C. Seymour being a black man, um, he wasn't allowed into the building to be trained at the Bible college. So William Seymour sat outside of the building and they opened up a window for him. The humility, right? He would come every day and learn. And then one day a church called from Los Angeles, California, and he came out there and he started teaching. And when he started teaching, an outpouring of the spirit came that is still going on today. It's what we know as the present Pentecostal movement. 
And we have this bad word, like we think Pentecostal is a very bad word. Let me tell you how William Seymour described this movement. He goes, it's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, but it's an outpouring of the love of God. That's how he defined that movement. We could talk about a man named John Wimber, right? Uh, who's the founder of the vineyard, invited a man named Lonnie Frisbee to preach at his church. And at the end of the sermon, Lonnie prayed, Holy Spirit come, and his church blew up. He had people leave. He had the presence of the Holy Spirit come. And he talks about being up all night. Jesus, is this you? Is this you? And he talks about how um, Jesus kind of comforted him. He looked in old revivals of John Wesley and Jonathan Edwards, and he saw all these things, and he goes, okay. And then he had a friend call him and says, hey, I'm on my heart. Um, what's going on? And he's like, well, I had this guy named Lonnie. Oh, you had Lonnie preach at your church? I know that guy. Yeah, that guy. He's really weird. Um, um, and, and, and he's like, but it's God. It's God. We saw an outpouring like this a few years before in the Jesus m- movement. John, I just won't let you know it's God. And then God has taken this thing called the vineyard. And through John Wimber, the vineyard was created. And one of the biggest purposes of the vineyard as a whole is to guide the evangelical church into the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit. What most people don't know is J.I. Packer and these huge evangelical guys heard about what was going on in the vineyard and they were skeptics of everything. So they got John Wimber in a room asking questions and at the end of it, they were just like, oh, we bless you. Go and do what you do. And also we talk about the Toronto blessing that happened with the vineyard also with a guy named Randy Clark and it was a big up upheaval thing. The Toronto church ended up leaving the vineyard, but now everything's reconciled. It's great. It's good. Um, um, And Randy talks about, he went to go meet John at the end of his life. And he looked, he goes, Randy, the vineyard was meant to serve the evangelical church. I think God is calling you to the charismatic church. And so I bless you to go and bless those churches that teach them the ways of the Holy Spirit, the ways that are not the mania that we think it is, but It's honest and humble. But then I could also say, we know a man 2,000 years ago named Jesus at 30 years old. I went down to the river of Jordan and the Holy Spirit came upon him and the world has forever been changed, right? Jesus, God, and man. So as we come to Sailor right now, I know a lot of you are probably here and you may not have clarity on when or how the Holy Spirit is supposed to come or what that will look like necessarily. You may have an evangelical background that says the spirit only comes once and that comes at conversion. Or you have more of a charismatic in which there are multiple comings and feelings of the whole Holy Spirit. You may not have um, um, clarity about that and that will take longer than I have this morning to answer all your questions. But as we close our eyes and come to a quiet moment, I wanna suggest something I heard Anglican Bishop Todd Hunter say that I thought was brilliant and I thought it was perfect for our church and for us to ponder. This is his quote. Is my life inspired by the Spirit as promised by the Father and taught by Jesus? I wanna say that again. Is my life inspired by the Spirit as promised by the Father and taught by Jesus? So no matter what you think about the doctrine of the Holy Spirit or confusion that may exist in your heart, this one thing should be clear. Is my life inspired by the Spirit as promised by the Father 
and taught by Jesus. And if not, and during this sermon, you're like, I want to know the Holy Spirit more. I'm gonna give us 30 seconds of silence. And if you're like, just to cry out your heart, you may say, God, I don't know what to think, help me. That's what I've had to do a lot in this. You may be like, no, I see my skepticism and my unbelief. Father, I repent and I ask you to teach me. Holy Spirit, I ask you to come and teach me and, let, and that you would let me know you and get to know you. Or some of you may be in here and be like, yeah, I'm down. I'm all for this. Like, ask the Spirit to come, fill me. I've, I've been ready for this. I've been looking for this. Um, Jesus, would you send your Holy Spirit to fill me? And so whatever's in your heart, I'm gonna give you 30 seconds. And then after that, I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna ask the whole Holy Spirit to come. I'm gonna bless us. Um, and then I'm gonna give us a moment just to wait and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And I may point out some things that he does whenever he comes so that you're aware and just kind of help teach because it's not this weird thing. It's God, okay? Does, is everyone on board with me there? Okay, cool. So take 30 seconds and just let your heart be known to God. Spirit, come. God, we thank you for hearing the desires of our hearts. We thank you that you see us, that you love us, and that, Father, the gift of your Holy Spirit isn't dependent upon our righteousness, how holy we are this week, how many times we read our Bible, but it's a gift of grace. So, Holy Spirit, come, speak. into what God's doing. Here's a few things. Whenever the kingdom comes, it doesn't come as a big blowout thing. It comes as a mustard seed. It's really small. And so sometimes when the Holy Spirit starts to come, you may feel like this desire in your chest, like a burning in your chest that God's just filling you up. You may feel as you're closing your eyes and your eyes feel like they start to flutter a tad bit. You may feel like your hands start to tremble or your legs start to tremble a tad bit. You may feel heat. You may feel really cold all of a sudden. Those are just signs that the Holy Spirit is just coming to work, coming to speak to you. And as um, I've learned a long time ago, God's presence is his voice. So God is speaking to you and he's ministering to you. So if any of these things are going on right now, if any of these things are going on throughout the service, there's gonna be me and a few of us in the back, we wanna pray for you. Or if you're just like, I want someone to pray that I'd receive the Holy Spirit, we'll also be there to pray for you. And so Lindsay's gonna come up and she's gonna lead us through communion. But a few of us will be back there to pray for you. <laughs>